And where do we run to when we hit those difficult times? When we lose a loved one, when we lose our jobs, when our finances are tight, and how, how do we do these things? Or, or we lose a custody battle. That, uh, how do we deal with these things? Because every single one of us will experience tough times in our lives. From a loss of a loved one to a difficult schedule. And we don't just want to be people who get advice from others to help us. Because it's going to take more than advice to get us through what we're going through. It'll actually take God himself. Because the world is not perfect. We live in an imperfect world. The weather is not perfect. And we see that all the time here in Hilo. I mean, last night with the Ho'olaole, it was raining and then it was good. Raining and then good. And hopefully it stayed good through the rest of the night. Early this morning, it was pouring rain and then it's better now. But then it was raining earlier again. So we don't know what the weather is going to be like because it's not perfect. And even if it were perfect, who's perfect would it be? How many of you guys love the rain? Raise your hand. You like the rain. What about sunshine? You'd rather have sunshine. See, so you're perfect and they're perfect is two different things. But there are no, there's, the weather is not perfect. The world is not perfect. Your relationship is not perfect. Your marriage is not perfect. Your spouse is not perfect, except Heidi. Your, your body is not perfect. Your, your family is not perfect. Your, even your schedule is not perfect. The plans that you have for yourself are not perfect. We live in a broken world. Now, it's interesting how the Bible puts it, and, and in your notes, you can take, uh, in your bulletin, you can take out your notes and follow along as we talk about how God gets us through what we go through. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 24. In fact, if you want to learn about what the world is going through or, or what the Bible says about the world and, and what's happening, read Isaiah chapter 24. But I'll highlight certain scriptures. And it says, The earth suffers for the sins of its people. For they have twisted God's instructions, violated His laws, and broken His everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must pay for the price of their sin. Uh, for their sin, they are destroyed by fire, and only a few are left alive. The earth has broken up, and it has utterly collapsed. It is violently shaken. See, the earth is broken. It's not perfect. We live in a broken world. Therefore, when we're going through pain or suffering or sorrow, here's the first thing you have to remember, and write this in your first point. You turn to God for comfort. That's where we find our comfort. Turn to God for comfort. We can turn to one another, and sometimes we do. Sometimes we turn to a book or we go online. We search for, uh, I'm, I'm feeling alone. So you Google, I'm feeling alone. How do I deal with this? And so we turn to other things. We turn to a drug. We turn to a drink. Or we take a smoke break or something. But God says, if you want to find real comfort, you turn to me. I'm the God of all comfort because the earth is broken. Now, some of us, and I've been in this place before, I didn't know I could turn to God. I didn't know I could actually talk with God. I didn't know that. I, I thought God hated me. I thought he was angry at me because of the things I did. I thought he was disappointed at me. Or I thought he just didn't care about me because of the things I was going through. I just thought, well, if, if, if God did care about me, I wouldn't have gone through that. If God did love me, he wouldn't have done that. If God did care about me, then I wouldn't have lost this loved one. And I didn't know I could actually turn to God. 
But you must know that you can turn to God because it's what you know that will help you get through what you're going through, not your emotions. It's what you know of, that you know God is faithful. So when you have an emotional feeling that you want to follow that is not of God, no, I know God is faithful. Even though I feel like I'm going through this uh, difficult thing, I know God is faithful. I know he's going to help me. I know who he is. I know he has the power and the strength to help me get through what I'm going through. It's not our emotions. It's what we actually know. See, when you know what is truth, then you can stand on that rather than follow what you feel. When you know who God is, and, and we are called children of God, servants of God. Some of us are in a relationship with God. Some of us are still trying to find him. Some of us are just learning about God. But did you know that we're all servants to God, but we must choose that? There was a man by the name of Zerubbabel in the Bible. He was a prophet, and God gave him an assignment. And like most prophets in the Bible, their mission and their goal was to cast vision to the people to let them know that they can turn to God. But it wasn't going to be through our own strength. It wasn't going to be because of a mighty army that the nation of Israel was going to be victorious. It was going to be because of God's Spirit. And so he tells Zerubbabel this in, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So God is letting us know he's with us, that it's not going to, going to be with our own strength. It's going to be by his spirit. We don't have enough in us to get us through what we're going through. God helps us get through what we're going through. It's by His Spirit, not by our own strength. See, we don't know why things happen. We can't answer those questions. And sometimes people will come up to me and say, why did God do this in my life? Why did this happen in my life? Why did so-and-so pass away? Why did this person die when they were such a good person? And we may never know all the answers on this side of eternity. We may never be able to answer all the why questions. It's a part of this broken world. And even if God were to give us some answers, our finite brains are not able to comprehend the unfathomable infinite brain or infinite thoughts of God. Even if he were to explain certain things, he's just so way beyond us that we won't even comprehend what is happening. But we do ask those questions and so we go through different phases, and, and this is not in your notes, and if you want to write these words down, you can. But the first phase we go through is this thing called shock. When some uh, catastrophic event happens or something traumatic takes place, a loved one passes away, you lose your job, your marriage is on the, rock, uh, on the rocks, you feel shocked. Someone gives you information or, or your, your spouse comes home and says, I'm done. You're shocked. Now, shock is a human response. It's, it's a human emotion that we go through. But listen, God is not shocked. God is never shocked. God is not surprised when you lose your job. God is not saying, ay, 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 I didn't see it's coming. I got to redraft. I got to rethink this. How am I going to do this? He already knew what was coming up. That's why we turn to him for comfort. And then we go into this thing called sorrow. Now, 
Shock is human. It's a human response. Sorrow, however, is a godly response. It's a different kind of response that we feel because God grieves. Did you know that? That God, God has a sorrowful spirit when, when we're hurt, when we're in pain. Remember now Jesus wept. He wept. Before the garden of, uh, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the cross, he was filled with, exceed, he was exceedingly sorrowful. That's what the Bible says. He was just exceedingly sorrowful. It's a godly response. And then we move to the next phase, which is struggle. This is where we normally ask the why questions. We ask God, why? Why did this happen to me? Why, why did it have to be so and so? Why am I in this situation? Why don't they do this? Why did this happen? And we ask the why questions. And sometimes people will say, don't ask God why. You shouldn't question God. No, you can question God. He's your father. He's your heavenly father. You want to know things about life? You want to know things uh, spiritually? You want to get to know God? You must ask him questions because he's the God of comfort. You can ask him the questions. Listen, it's not a sin to ask God why. He's the God of all comfort. If you're going to vent with anyone, vent with God. Because he has that much compassion for you and I. And you ask him all the questions. Did you know that Jesus asked God a why question? While he was on the cross, remember he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself felt to ask that question. But then from our sorrow and our struggle, then we can now go into surrender. Because when in pain, explanations don't help. Explanations don't help. When a loved one dies, no explanation helps us. We don't need an explanation at that point. We need God. See, I'd rather, I'd rather walk with God and not know all the answers than to not walk with God knowing everything. When we have this relationship with God, He helps us get through what we're going through. Then when our struggle turns to surrender, this is where I stop asking the why questions. This is where I, I slowly transition into the acceptance stage where I say, okay, God, I surrender to you. I surrender. That I, I, I may not know everything, but I, I turn to you. And, and surrender is really the only path to peace. If you're still dealing with something that you have gone through as a, a younger person or, or maybe a, an event that took place and, and you're, you still can't shake it, it's because you never surrendered it to God. You're still hanging on to that. And God says, you got to surrender that to me. Otherwise, you will not have peace in your life. You're going to continue to deal with the same thing over and over. But you got to surrender that to me. And then comes separation. You separate your flesh from your spirit. That you're able to differentiate between the two of what is of the flesh and what is, what is of the spirit. How, how do I follow your leading, Lord? The spirit, not my flesh. It's at that point when you make that separation between flesh and spirit that you become more godly. Not become a god. There are certain religions that say if you just do this, do that, and do this, you become a god. You will never become a god. You will never become god. You will never become a, 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 a mini-me god. You'll never become that. 
you will, we will always be human beings, and God is God. He will always be God. But when we surrender to him and we separate our flesh from our spirit, now we become more and more like God. Developing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We become more like God. And then the last phase is this thing called service, where we now serve God. We understand that certain things happen in this broken world because we are sinful people. But God, you have given us a way out, and that's to serve you. And when you serve God, then it fills you. So you're not, you're not inundated by all these other things. You're not, you're not trying to fill your life with other things rather than God himself, that you're turning to him for comfort rather than everything else we turn to. Sometimes we turn to food for comfort. We turn to water for comfort, which we need to. But I wonder how often we turn to God for comfort. And only when we understand that we can serve him, that he helps us to deal with and helps us get through what we're going through. As the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. And here's the reason why. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Yeah, the things that you're going through, God wants to use to help other people get through what they're going through. Because not everyone knows God. You know God, and I may know God, but the people that surround us, they may not know God. And so he's saying, they know you, so I'm going to help you get through what you're going through in the hopes that you can help them with my comfort get through what they're going through. That they'll be able to say, boy, I'm struggling with this and I don't know what to do. And you can say, here it is. This is what I've done in my life. This is what has helped me. Because God will comfort you and will use that same comfort you've received from him to give out to other people in the hopes that they find him as their God. There's a man by the name of Titus, and one of the books in the Bible, in the New Testament, is named after him because it was a letter written to him from Paul the Apostle. And this man, Titus, was such an encourager. He was a builder of the early church, and, and he would help people find God because he went through some life struggles. So now when he comes to the people, he's able to relate to them because of the things he's gone through. It says it like this in 2 Corinthians 7, 6. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. When Titus would come, people would say, oh, boy, I'm struggling with this. I just lost my job, Titus. Uh, my, my, my spouse is driving me up the wall. My kids are going crazy. I don't know what to do. And Titus would say, I will help you. I, I, you know what? God comforted me through my season, and, and here's what he did for me. I can pray with you. I can show you the way. But ultimately, you're going to have to make the choice to follow God. And so Titus did that. God will send you people to surround you or will send you to surround others with the same comfort he gave to you so that they might find him. That's the whole heart behind why God comforts us. Because he's saying, you know, they might, your friends, your family may not turn to me, but they'll turn to you. But you help them with the same comfort I've given to you. 
that he's not going to waste your test that you're going through. He's going to turn your test into a testimony. The mess that you are in, he's going to turn it into a message. And the pain that you go through, he's going he's to turn it into the greatest gain so that others can come to know him. God never wastes a hurt. Never. That's the hope we get to look forward to no matter what takes place in our life, that he can turn those things around. Because we've got to remember this, that we're not alone in our pain. You can write that in your second point. That, that's what we know. We must know that we're not alone in our pain. It's, it's not like God just lets us go and says, okay, you're on your own. And when you're in painful situations, then too bad. Hopefully you'll be okay. He says, I, I know what you're going through. And you're not alone in your pain. In fact, others have gone through what we've gone through. Or if not, you have gone through what someone else is going through. And you have the victorious testimony or the story to help someone else who is in fear right now has no idea what the future holds. They don't know what life is going to look like in the years to come. But you do. You have a God who has helped you through. And maybe they need that extra visual hope that they're not alone in their pain too. See, whenever you feel like you're alone, you must go on what you know, not what you feel. Because all of us are susceptible to pain and suffering. Why? Because life is filled with trouble. But here's the hope. In 2 Corinthians 1, 6 and 7, it says, Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, there's that word again, sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. You see, we're not alone. People go through the same things we go through. Sometimes people will, will think that, that I don't go through anything. That, oh, your life must be so easy. You must, you must live like, like an easy life. It must be like when you come home, Heidi's singing to you like, hi, honey, welcome home. You must, you must, I mean, every time you come home, it just must be such a, she must be so joyful towards you and, and, and singing and, and always praising God when you come home, that when you walk in the door, hallelujah, hallelujah, the master of the home has arrived. How are you, my Lord? Uh, I think some people have a misconception of our lifestyle. Or even your lifestyle. People will not come to church because they're saying, no, no, no. If I walk in, the church is going to burn down. No. Look, we're here. And the church is still, or the building is still here. See, we all go through something. We all don't have a perfect life. Not even pastors. We go through the same things as you go through. We may all respond differently. We may all react differently. We may all be at different uh, areas in our maturity. But we all go through the same things. That's why we need God. We don't need advice sometimes at the moment. We need God. Advice will come when it's needed and there's a time and a place for it. But there are times where we just need to know we can find comfort in God and that we are not alone in what we go through because we are all human beings and we need God. See, that's why we do things like this, uh, this conference coming up in Waimea, which is happening on the, the 3rd uh, through the 5th, which is this week. And it, it's to allow men to gather, to let 
men know that you're not alone in this. And you may feel like, no, I like go to that. That's kind of, that's like what the Christians do. I don't want to be around church people. I, I just, that's not me. That's not me. But I want you to flip that around. To now say to yourself, you know what? That conference may not be for me. But I guarantee if I were to go there, God would show something that will help me where I'm at. And even if you're not going through something and you feel like, no, we're fine. He may give you something to help you to get through what you will be going through. That he will equip you now so that when that later comes up, you'll be equipped to get through what you're going through. It's going to happen. It's going to be on Thursday through Saturday. And it's just a wonderful time for men to gather together. And not in a bad way, but there will be no women there. And so you can just talk story with the guys and, and, and help one another. That's why we do our pumpkin party. In fact, this year's pumpkin party, it is, it's going to be so different. And, and I'm so excited because of what the team is doing and you as the volunteers. Some of you are jumping in and you want to volunteer. You can fill out that information tab and say, you know, I would love to put my, my hand to the plow and help. Uh, what we've been experiencing in the past years is this thing called traffic. Have any of you guys attended the pumpkin party before? Raise your hand, the pumpkin party you came. Okay, any of you guys were in traffic for more than like 30 minutes? Raise your hand. You're in traffic coming up. Okay, so some of us were in that traffic, and we try every year to uh, do better with our traffic. Imagine for our community, those who live right here, our neighbors, who are not coming to the pumpkin party, who just want to go home and eat and take a shower and be with their families and feed their little puppy. Imagine those people that they're trying to drive up here and it's like it's taking me 20 minutes to go there. I just, I just want to park my car and walk home. That's how they feel. So because God loves us and because he loves them, we must think of new ways to love and bless our community while we have this event that over 3,000 people will come up to. So we have to eliminate more cars coming up here. Any of you been to Disneyland, Disney World, a theme park or anything like that? When we would visit those theme parks from our hotel, we would jump in a shuttle or we would catch the bus and, and, and on the bus ride, they would say, okay, guys, we're going to head over to Disneyland and when you get there, you're going to be in the most magical place in the world. It's the most happiest place and they start singing and, and all that. So it kind of gets you all pumped up and then the bus drops you off and then as you're walking in, there's music and then, and then you get in there, it's just like, ah, you feel like a little kid again. You let your kids loose and then you're like, honey, let's just me and you. And then they go with GPS on them and you're fine. But you, you experience it from the get-go. And so we're thinking of how do we do this? Now, they will have tour buses or shuttle buses. Uh, we don't have shuttle buses, but we have the opportunity. Now, how many of you guys, with a show of hands, would you rather ride a tour bus or a school bus? How many of you say tour bus? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you guys would rather ride a school bus? Raise your hand. School bus. Some of you guys. Okay. Because I think the tour bus is air-conditioned. Now, think of our pumpkin party and how many kids will be up here. Your kids, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews. Now, they'll be so excited being up here. They would want to stay here. But unfortunately, the night will end. Now, if your children came up to the choices of a tour bus or a school bus, what would they rather do? Jump on the tour bus or the school bus? What do you think? 
How many say tour bus? Raise your hand. How many of you say school bus? School bus. What would you rather ride? She's, she said nothing. So, but this, here's, here's what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to accommodate everyone. Instead of you taking 45 minutes to get up here, we all park at Waikia High School and ride the adventurous school bus with our kids. <laughs> that on the way up here, we get to ride a school bus. I have not ridden in a school bus for a long time. I might actually misbehave on the school bus. But we get to ride the school bus, and, and the kids will be filled with joy. So by the time they get up here, they've already started their experience down there. And as they ride up here, it's, it's just going to be just an, an, another adventure for them to experience. And then, and then for you, on the ride home, you can sleep to your destination. You don't have to worry about traffic. You don't have to worry about the rain. You can just relax with your children as the wonderful, adventurous school bus takes you back to your car. <laughs> and then you can go home in your car. But the reason why we do these things is so that someone can come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know those cards that you were given that were on your chair? The reason why we put it on your chairs was so that you can catch the vision of not just you getting that card, but that how many cards are still on the chairs that people have yet to come to know the Lord. Those are people who don't know Christ yet. And so you take this card and you introduce them by the way of this invitation. And on the back side, you just put a check mark and say, you know what, I'm going to be at second service. Come meet me. If it's a, a waiter or waitress at the restaurant and you strike up a conversation, just say, you know what, I usually go to this service. So if you do come by, I'll, I'll go look for you. And it's, it's such an easy way to let people know that there is a God who is passionately in love with them and can help them get through what they're going through. Because we're all going to have these experiences and problems that we go through. You may not have all the answers on this side of eternity. You may even feel like God has forgotten about you, but he has not forgotten about you. In fact, the Bible says that he collects each tear that falls from your eyes collects them, that he is sorrowful when we go through painful situations, and he collects them. He does not forget about you. The scars on Christ's hands reminds him daily of his love for you and I. He does not forget about you. You are not alone in this world. See, God grieves, and so does Jesus. He weeps. And you might be thinking, okay, where was God when this happened? Where was God when, when, when my son died, my daughter died? Where was God when my father died or my mother? Where was God when this happened to so-and-so? Where was God? He was in the same place that he was when his son died. He was weeping. Sometimes we think of God as just some all-powerful God who has no emotion. And he has no feelings. But he weeps, he grieves for you and I. Why do you think he sent Jesus Christ? He so loved the world. And he said, I can't see my people like this. And he gave his one and only son. And when his son died on the cross, God grieved. But there was hope 
because of the life-giving spirit that Christ had, that he was able to be restored back to life and the resurrection took place. You see, God knows more about you than you know about yourself. He is that wonderful of a God. The Bible says, Joshua 1.9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And the reason why Joshua could say that is because he knew. He knew that no matter what happened, that God was going to be there. He could become, he could be strong and courageous because he knew God was with him. If we don't know that God is with us, hard to be strong or courageous. Hard to be not fearful. Hard to have courage and to continue to take that next step to move forward. We've got to know that God is there with us. Otherwise, we won't have the strength to go forward. But he's there wherever we go. It says in Isaiah 43, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burnt up. The flames will not consume you. Yeah, I look at that scripture. Deep waters, difficulties, rivers of difficulties, fiery oppressions, flames. That sounds kind of like the worst place imaginable. But God says, I will be with you even through those times that you're not alone. See, you can be devastated, but you won't be destroyed because God is there. Here's the last thing we need to know, that God can turn my hurt into healing. Whatever pain we've been in, whatever hurt we're feeling, he can turn our hurt into healing. He can turn any marriage around. He can turn any family around. He can turn any person around to help them get through what they're going through. But we got to turn to him. See, that's God's specialty. And he can turn things around. Here's how Romans 8.28 says it. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So here's, here's the, uh, the kind of like the unwrapping of this scripture because some people have a misconception about this scripture or uh, uh, they, they interpret it wrong. It does not apply to everyone. This scripture applies to those who love God. Because God can work together all things together for good. To those who love God, he's able to do that. Who are called according to his purpose. He's able to turn things around to those who love God. On Wednesday night, we've been addressing certain things that have taken place in our state with the same gender marriage law that... uh, They're looking at passing and the bill that has been put in. And so we've been talking about this every week on Wednesday. And if you've been missing it and you want to get updated on on what we're doing and and just to be educated on what is happening, then go to our website and go to our resource section and go to either our podcast or vidcast and watch this past Wednesday's message. It'll help you to get up to speed. I would say use the vidcast because there's more visual. There's some... Uh, uh, illustrations that I have to give and, and, and wording, but it, it just helps us to understand the direction that our state is going and what God is doing uh, in and through you and I, because it is not against homosexuals. It's not saying we're fighting against homosexuality. What we're saying is we are for God's design for marriage. And so if you watch that, then you can get more and more information 
Uh, or if you want to attend this Wednesday uh, service, then please do that. Uh, it'll keep you informed on what's been taking place. And so if you love God, as the Bible says, he's going to use everything you go through for a greater purpose. He can use it, even the bad. See, you and I and anyone can bring good out of good. God specializes in bringing good out of bad. Because for those who don't love God, good is not happening. Bad is happening. All things aren't working together for good. In fact, all things are working together for bad to worse. But for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, he can turn our bad into something good. But you got to fall in love with God. See, what the scripture is not saying, and this is what we need to understand too, is that not everything is good. It's not what the Bible is saying. Because we live in a broken world, so not everything is good. In fact, there are a lot of bad things happening in our world. It doesn't even say that it's God's will, everything that happens in your life. Because I think some people will say, and, and sometimes they try to console or they try to bring an explanation, but they say when you're going through pain or a loved one dies or something, they will just say something like, you know, it was just God's will. But it is not God's will for us to go through pain and suffering. It's not his will. His will is for us to live a wonderful life. You might think, well, 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 so what's happening on this earth if it's not God's will? Remember Jesus said, this is how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in. See, in heaven, God's will is perfectly done. On earth, God's will is very rarely done. And you and I fall into that category. How often do we don't do the will of God? We don't follow God. We don't love God. We do our own thing. See, God doesn't cause hurt and pain. He doesn't cause these sufferings. He doesn't, God's intention for us was eternity. It wasn't death. That's where Satan came in, brought in sin and death. God is not the author of evil. He is the creator of all that is good. Evil is basically the absence of good. He's not the creator of your pain. You got to remember we have an enemy because he can't hurt God. Satan can't do anything to God, so he goes after his children. And that hurts God because God loves us. And he'll help us get through what we are going through. So he's able to turn our hurt into healing. And the question is, well, how does he do, how does he do that? How, how, do we, how do we even get through that? How, how do we, when we're going through what we go through, how do we still keep a positive attitude, as we call it? Or how do we still keep hope? One of my favorite uh, NBA games in the recent years was last year's game between the Miami Heat and San Antonio Spurs, Game 6. Because it looked like Spurs were going to take the championship. And it looks like Heat was, they're just done. In fact, some of the fans left the stadium. And then all of a sudden, here comes Ray Allen with a three-pointer and ties the game. And then they end up winning in overtime. I love watching game six because I know they win. It doesn't matter how hopeless they look, how, how difficult the game is. It doesn't matter if it looked like 
they're going to lose. It didn't matter that LeBron missed that first three-pointer. What mattered most is I knew the end. I knew what was taking place. Remember when the Giants played Patriots a couple years ago, and it looked like Giants were done, and Manning was going to get sacked, and then he got out of that, and he just threw up the ball, and I think it was Tyrese. Oh, Ty, yeah, anyway, the wide receiver caught the ball on his head, and then they scored the touchdown. They won that game. You can watch that play over and over again. Why? If you're a Giants fan, you can watch it over and over again, even though it looks hopeless, because you know they won. You can watch that over and over again. And I think that's how it is with us. When we know the ending, you can watch it over and over. Some of you like watching MMA. One of my favorite ones was between Shane Carwin and Brock Lesnar. And Brock was supposed to lose. He was getting pummeled. But then the second round, Shane Carwin was all gassed out. He had nothing in his arms. And then Brock Lesnar took him down and won. I can watch that over and over. Why? Because I know who wins. Even though it looked hopeless, you can have hope because you know the end. We live in a hopeless world because the earth is broken. But here's the end. Jesus wins. We have eternity with God in heaven, a perfect place where you will be in a perfect place where God's will is always done, where you will have the perfect body, not a Photoshop body. You will have a perfect body. You will have perfect thinking. Everything will be done perfect in heaven. We have eternity to look forward to. In the end, guys, we win. So we have this hope because we know what the end says. The Bible puts it this way. We often suffer but we are never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us, and when we are knocked down, we get up again because we know that God raised the Lord Jesus to life, and just as God raised Jesus, he will also raise us to life. Then he will bring us into his presence together with you. In other words, if you lost a loved one and they know God, and they called upon his name even on their deathbed. Even though they might not have been able to speak, but in their heart they said, God, I cry out to you right now. They may not have been cognizant of what they were saying or, or, or been able to verbally say it, but in their hearts they cried out to Jesus because someone said to them, there's a God who loves you. They could have denied him their entire life and then on their deathbed said, yes to God, you will see them one day. The flip side, for some of us, we have this uh, kind of a dumb plan to say, you know, I'm just going to do what I like. Then right before I die, I'm going to say, God, I believe in you. That's a great plan if you know when you're going to die. But it doesn't work. That's why God says, I'm going to give you hope. See, your tension goes down when you know the end. This is why believers grieve differently than unbelievers we kind of grieve like everyone else as far as a human emotion, but we don't grieve without hope. We grieve with hope because we know the end. And when we lose a loved one, we know that God can even turn our hurt into healing because we know the end result. I've done funerals and looked into people's faces who have hope and those who don't have, and you can tell the difference. God says, I, I, I give you... I give you a hope that is not disappointing. See, we can go through what we go through because we know, we know 
the end. And in the end, we have hope. This is not the end of our story. What you go through is not the end of your story. It's part of your journey. God is still a part of your journey because we don't think temporal. We must think eternal because God has long-range eternal plans for you and I. It's not just here on this earth. And Jesus continuously casted vision to his disciples. He, he, he constantly sat with his disciples and said, this is going to happen. The end, the, the end of the world will look like this. And this is what will take place. You will be persecuted. The end times will look like this. And so he gave hope to his disciples. In fact, on the very night in which Jesus was to be betrayed, instead of being so in, 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 uh, in fear of what was going to take place, he sat with his disciples and he said, remember me. Don't forget about me. Because he knew he was going to die on the cross. He knew he was going to be buried, but he also knew he was going to rise again. And so he said, he took bread and he said, you see this piece of bread? See how I break it? This is my body which has been broken for you. Every time you do this, remember me. And I'm, my body will be broken for your sake. Then he took the cup after supper and he says, you see this drink? This represents my blood. Every time you do this, remember me. Don't forget what I'm going to do for you because you need to have hope because in the end we win. He says, here's the hope. I'm going to die for your sins, but I'm going to rise again from the grave to give you life forever. We call it, this, we call it communion. And he says, the reason why I, I'm giving this to you is not so much that you can just have a relationship with me and then that's it, but so that you have a broader perspective of life forevermore with more people. Because there are tons of people around the world who have yet to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Your neighbors have yet to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Your classmates, your coworkers, all these empty seats are for people. God says, this is why I sent my son, so that you can reach out to your neighbors, families, and friends. That card that you're given, this invitation card, next week we're kicking off a new series, and we're going to be talking about the vision of this church, reaching people one relationship at a time, because God loves each person. And Jesus did this with his disciples because there was a much bigger picture. It wasn't just with the disciples. He was casting vision to them to let them know that this was something global. In fact, we're going to watch a video and receive communion right after that. Because today is our missions offering and some of you give to that, we're also going to be giving towards our missions offering. But that, that's only for those of you who God speaks to and says to be a part of this. And what the missions offering does is helps other people around the world to get to know Jesus Christ through various ways and creative ways to show them God's love. The video you're about to see is, is with our Foursquare Missions International and one of our churches in the mainland who has gone to Haiti. Uh, and you'll see what they did. But your finances goes towards these things. When you watch this, these things have happened because you gave. It, the the, the Foursquare Missions offering that you give to and that you're going to give to today, it doesn't go in our offering. We send that out to our missionaries so that they can do these kinds of works. And then the ushers are going to be by the doors and then some up here. 
and then you can come forward and then receive communion together. And again, when you receive communion today, don't forget what Jesus did for you. And then you'll be dismissed right after that. But we're going to take a look at this video. And before we do that, I want us to read Lamentations 3, 22 through 25 together. And it's going to come up on our screens right now. And let's read this together. Ready? Go. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. Let's take a look at this video. I just know that, that God is doing a wonderful thing, not just in your life, but in the lives of people around the world, and you get to participate in that. So we're going to pray as we conclude, and then when you come forward or, or your communion, when you do that, then you'll be dismissed right after. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning that we get to learn from your word. That as we conclude this series, the power of God's compassion, that we understand how much you love us. We know that you're the one who helps us to get through what we go through. That sometimes it's not really advice we need, but it's you who we need. So we call out to you. We pray as we receive communion together that we'll never forget what you have done for us. That we'll always remember how good you are, how compassionate you are. And so I thank you, Lord, and we thank you for allowing us to be a part of your kingdom. Give us the strength that we need for today. Comfort us as we turn to you. And help us to reach out to others who have yet to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen.